This is a very cosmic moment. This is not just another saint that we are meeting. This is finally we're meeting our Guru and uh, it'll be helpful for us to put ourselves into young Mukunda's shoes and just walk with him because he's not yet aware that he's going to meet his Guru soon. And let us also go with that kind of ignorance and not really tune in already that we are in fact going to meet him and really savor this moment, feel what it felt like and what it feels like every day of our lives when we wake up and remember that we have our Guru. And so let's have that experience today the best we can. This chapter begins, chapter 10, I meet my master Sri Yukteswar, begins with these words. Faith in God can produce any miracle except one, passing an examination without study. <laughs> so young Mukunda's exams are approaching and he's reading this book and he says, I distastefully, I closed this book that I had picked up because he did not agree with the views of the writer. He then says, my promise to father had been that I would complete my high school studies. We remember that little episode there. And I cannot pretend to diligence. You can see he's not very, not, neither is he happy nor is he putting out enough effort to fulfill that promise. The passing months found me less frequently in the classroom than in secluded spots along the Calcutta bathing ghats. The, final, the week of final examinations at the Hindu high school was fast approaching. And these are beautiful words here. He says, My educational dilemma was plainly a matter for the infinite ingenuity. So for young Mukunda, there was just no doubt. Okay, I'm having this issue. <laughs> I don't agree with what that other author said. And this is definitely something for the divine ingenuity to help me through. And he says, This was my reasoning, though to many it seems illogic. The devotee's irrationality springs from a thousand inexplicable demonstrations of God's instancy in trouble. Now, Yogananda is not basing this on some blind faith or some hope and please, you know, just do this for me once because it ha you know how we pray. If you just only do this once for me, I will give you so many things which we're, we're always trying know. to bribe God, which we never fulfill, of course. But... For young Mukunda, it was very clear. And for a devotee, as he says, for a true devotee, this so-called irrationality, it springs from just complete knowing a thousand demonstrations of God's instancy. Certainty. And each of us have experienced that. Yet, we keep doubting at each stage and we wonder, if this time will it happen? Will he do it this time? What do I have to give him now? Rather than just saying, of course, he's going to do this for his child. And then suddenly, hello Mukunda, I, ca I catch hardly a, glam a, a glance of you uh, in these days in the classroom. And suddenly a classmate of uh, Yogananda's approaches him. And this classmate's name is Nantu. Nantu was a brilliant student. And so instantly, you know, a little uh, moment happened where God's pr uh, Mukunda's prayers were being answered. 
because as Mukunda was explaining his predicament, Nantu says to him, You are utterly unprepared for the finals. I suppose it is up to me to help you. So again, how God's help comes isn't some cosmic moment, some, you know, uh, vision that's going to tell you all the answers to the examinations. It's always going to come through channels. And this is an important realization on the path that everybody is a potential instrument for God, including ourselves and our our fervent prayer should be use me as your instrument, use me as your channel. But then the guru is not a potential instrument for God anymore. He is God wearing the disguise of an instrument. And then, of course, he says the simple words conveyed divine promise to my ears. And then they study together and Nantu helps him with, he shows him all the little, you know, this is where the professors are going to trap you. This, this question is going to definitely come. If only you study just these sections, it should be enough to get you through. But, you know, he doesn't quite get, they don't get to Sanskrit as, uh, because they didn't have the time. But then Yogananda says, what, what no, you I want would, to say something? Yes. Sorry. Uh, I would like to pause here for a moment when Yogananda says, uh, the simple the simple words conveyed divine promise to my ears i love this sentence because it says explains exactly the job of the disciple which is the ability to listen carefully from where the guidance is going to come and Mukunda here is in the middle of a chaos, a very, you know, he's desperate for help. And his ability to listen, this is how God is going to help me. It's important for us to understand that our job, especially when we are asking for guidance, something that needs to be resolved in our lives, are we listening enough? but not listening for the things that we would like to be heard or to receive the guidance in a particular way. I mean, let's not condition how God should help us. So here, I feel this is a really important sentence because he was able to perceive so subtly like, aha, here it is. Here is God's mercy, God's help. And I think that's the way that each one of us should listen daily. Nantu had coached me in my various subjects, but under press of time had forgotten my course in Sanskrit. Fervently, I reminded God of the oversight. Just look at that relationship here. There's just no moment that passes where there isn't an offering back of his thoughts of what's going on of his situation back to god he's like god you forgot sanskrit you know just that natural it's it's actually nantu god and mukunda studying together it's not just the two and then again he says i set out on a short walk the next morning assimilating my new knowledge to the rhythm of swinging footsteps i, I love the imagery he he keeps invoking 
into these things and we know how you know how even in these old schools when the kids were studying the vedas or the scriptures they'd always swing back and forth as they recite the mantras and there's a certain also practical knowledge here that says if you can get your whole process in fact often when i prepare for satsangs or classes i like to walk because there's just a certain rhythm that comes and it's with that rhythm that i'm able to better assimilate and lay certain concepts down and this has been been done for centuries if you have a child who perhaps needs a little extra help with ability to learn think about how you could help him bring a little more rhythm into this um learning process and then he's there his footsteps he said take him to an unfamiliar route there he sees some pages lying on the floor he picks them up and what are they a triumphant pounce proved them to be a sanskrit verse and then finally he says familiarity with that particular poem enabled me on the following day to pass the sanskrit examination and through the discerning help of nantu i also attained the minimum <laughs> grade for success in all my subjects the beauty here was Yogananda was not asking for God to make him the first and the best and you know God I just I want you to give me such wonderful marks he was just very he he was so clear he knew what he wanted in life but he also knew he made this promise to his father and all he was looking for is God I know I have not done my part in actually <laughs> studying but if you can just give me the bare minimum what I just need I'm not greedy I'm not asking for more we love to ask for more I just want what's needed which will help me both pursue my intended goal to find you and fulfill my promises. Father was pleased that I kept my word. Beautiful. And then now now that the that part is over he says do you have anything sweet you mm. want to say? To my new dignity which is the dignity of having passed the exams I was now openly planning to leave home. together with a young friend jitendra mazumdar i decided to join a mahamandal hermitage in banaras and to receive its spiritual discipline so now he's at this space where he's not quite sure he's not yet got his guru he doesn't know his next steps in with clarity but what he does know is that he needs spiritual discipline and this is again a very such a clear moment in any devotee's uh you know pursuit towards god i remember in both our lives these moments coming so clearly that ah in my current situation i'm not going to be able to do especially for me in college with friends with the energy that was around i knew i was not going to be able my my desire for god was fervent but my actions weren't my discipline didn't exist and i knew what i need is spiritual discipline and for that i have to go somewhere and receive that discipline and so even though it was not the final destination on yogananda's map it was a very clear next step because so far i've been much more on my own doing whatever i please now i need discipline and that's a very it's a defining moment in a devotee's life You saying anything? Mm, no. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Why don't you start the next thing It then? Just keep going okay. and I, <laughs> you have more things there. Then 
his father says, I make one last plea. Do not forsake me and your grieving brothers and sisters before Mukunda was about to leave. And these words are very beautiful that he speaks to his father. Reverend father, how can I tell you my, how can I tell my love for you? But even greater is my love for the heavenly father who has given me the gift of a perfect father on earth. Let me go that I someday return with a more divine understanding. Just again, how, how beautifully he has put it. Not that, well, you know, of course I won't forget any of you. I love you, but, you know, I have something more pressing, more important to do. He recognizes the power to love you as my father comes to me from God. And the more I'm attuning to that power, the more I can love you better, the more I can understand you better. And even that was one of the reasons for uh, young Mukunda's process wasn't just I want to reject you I want to reject my family because all of you are Maya and all of you represent delusion for me no I, I want to even perfect my relationship with you more but I can only do that if I first perfect my relationship with the divine how beautiful in addition I mean there is a paragraph here where Yogananda explains briefly what really went through, I mean, there was an attachment that he had especially with, her, with his two brothers after his mother's passing. So Yogananda Mukunda knew that attachment he had, you know, he, he had to detach himself from him, from them. He says, after my turbulent Satan, I mean, you can already feel him sitting and struggling with those thoughts. I mean, how can I leave my two brothers? I feel responsible for them and I have been, you know, taking care of them and I, I need to make this decision. I mean, he knew this decision needed to be made, made, make, made, made, made. <laughs> so anyway, he said after two hours, like with tears, and this is something that many of us on the spiritual path um, will need to leave behind. There are certain things, I mean, in this case, Yogananda was a little bit drastic because it was family. But I remember when I was asked by Swami Kriyananda to come to India, I knew the consequences. I was very attached to my father, you know, we both were Kriyabans, we used to meditate together, had wonderful spiritual conversations. I think then I was the only person that my dad had. And we both knew the moment Swamiji invited me to come to India, that attachment needed to be, you know, dissolved, needed to be cut. And I remember my dad spending like, you know, at least a few hours crying because he knew, you know, there was something, there was an attachment that God was asking him and me to detach ourselves from. So for each one of us, there will be certain people, friends, uh, things. things, circumstances that we'll need to leave behind, but later on we'll see the 
blessing that comes and the freedom and the wisdom that you gain by choosing God first. And this is something I really like to remember. Whenever I put God first, He always, always puts me first. And this is something that helps the process and understand that eventually we'll need to keep, you know, making these decisions. <laughs> now young Mukunda is in Banaras, in Varanasi, in this Mahamandal, which is uh, run by a young head Swami by the name of Swami Dayanand. And uh, Yoganandaji uh, describes him as a very, very saintly person. But in this ashram, they're much more focused on just outward chores and the seva that needs to be done and, you know, outward giving as an ashram. And there's not that much emphasis on meditation, which for Yogananda is the cornerstone of his spiritual practices. And so he would keep breaking apart and going and meditating in early dawn, late at night. But the kids, the other students there, the other ashramites, you know, started picking on him and started kind of taunting him and saying that you don't fit in over here, you know, don't try to find God too soon. So kind of somewhat dejected, uh, Yogananda comes to Swami Dayanand and says, Swamiji, I don't understand what is required of me here. I am seeking direct perception of God. Without him, I cannot be satisfied with affiliation or creed or performance of good works. So again, that more and more that clarity starts to come because he's looking for something and he's not quite finding it in the place where he is right now. In fact, to me, this also implies that Yogananda was realizing that I'm not here to do karma yoga only. You know, it's just not fulfilling enough. This is not the path that I'm looking for. It, it feels like this is always, you know, in one specific direction what about the other part the other part you know god experience through meditation so i really like this paragraph because uh, mukunda was already you know understanding that by going only through one path without being balanced by meditation it just won't work i mean if we only focus on karma yoga only in the name of god or seva we will become restless so I, I like this very, very much about his consciousness of, you know, through karma yoga alone, I won't be able to experience God. So the, you know, Swami Dayanand kind of looks at all the other boys and says, don't bother Mukunda, he will learn our ways sooner or later, just kind of a mild rebuke. But then he looks back at young Mukunda and says, Mukunda, I see your father is regularly sending you money. Please return it to him. You require none here. And a second injunction for your discipline concerns food. Even when you feel hunger, do not mention it. So these are these two things this Swami has kind of picked up on. He's realized Mukunda. He's Now, we know Mukunda comes from a very well-to-do family, has, has enjoyed the perks of his family all his life travel wherever he wants and his father was never shy on giving money and saying here's money go wherever you want do whatever you want 
And so he's had that freedom for a very long time, financial freedom. And the other thing is his food habits. And so this Swamiji very discerningly has picked up on it. And those two main attachments or in a certain sense, two main delusions that still have a certain effect and a hold on Yogananda as a young boy, he's already starting to test that. Then, of course, uh, <laughs> Yogananda says, Gone were the Calcutta years where I could rebuke the cook for a 10-minute delay. Now I tried to control my appetite. But one day I undertook a 24-hour fast. So he wasn't, you know, he understood that, okay, this is something I need to work on. So he said, okay, I'm going to now undertake it. So I, I, he undertook a 24-hour fast. And with double zest, I awaited the following day. But this is what happens. This is both comical but very instructive. Dayananji's train is late. We are not going to eat until he arrives. Jitendra brought me this devastating news. As a gesture of welcome to the Swami, we had, who had been absent for two weeks, many delicacies were in readiness. And now Yogananda, who'd been waiting for this, has to wait even longer. And he says, Lord, hasten the train. But he says, divine attention, it seems, was elsewhere. Darkness was descending as our leader entered the door. So 24 hours of a fast, hoping that next morning he gets to eat. But now the train is getting delayed and it's almost night time the following day when Dayananji arrives back. Now, Dayananji will bathe and meditate before we can serve food. <laughs> Jitendra approached me again as a bird of ill omen. I was in near collapse. My young stomach, new to deprivation, protested with gnawing vigor. Pictures I had seen of famine victims <laughs> passed wraith-like before me. So this, this is a fun <laughs> paragraph, super like, fun. So much is going on inside yeah. him. But again, you just see how natural this process is. If you go through issues and if you have like are unable to always take certain spiritual disciplines, it's normal. But you can also see at the same time, Mukunda is not just going to give in. You know, he's, he's really working on this very consciously. Then he says, the next Benares death from starvation is due at once in this hermitage. And then finally, finally the moment arrives and Swamiji comes, food is served. Mukunda eats ravishly. But then he looks over and he, say, he sees that Dayananji is not much eating, just barely touching his food. And he says, Swamiji, weren't you hungry? He asks him He says, when he was alone in his study. Oh yes, he says, I have spent the last four days without food or drink. I never eat on trains filled with the heterogeneous vibrations of worldly people. Strictly, I observe the Shastric rules for monks of my particular order. Imagine that. Four days, no food, no drink. Just because the vibrations, this is something later on Yogananda talked a lot about. While we are having food, the environment around us, how important it is. And because in the process of eating, 
which is where the body is being nourished, where actually not just the body, but the astral body is very much open to be nourished and to receive in that moment. And so in this process of eating, our environment plays a very, very important role. And so each of us also, it's, it's something to keep in mind. And that is why food at home, you know, just always is so much more nourishing Whereas food in restaurants and things, while they are tasty and there's a lot of variety, but, you know, it makes you bloated, it makes you heavy, because it's not just the food, it's also the environment, it's also the restlessness around us and the vibrations of the environment around us. Then he says, certain problems of organizational work lie on my mind. Tonight at home, I neglected my dinner. What's the hurry? Tomorrow I'll make it a point to have a proper meal. Just so detached, so no big deal. And then Yogananda says, shame spread within me like a suffocation. But the past day of torture was not easily forgotten. And so I ventured a further remark. Swamiji, I am puzzled. Following your instruction, suppose I never asked for food and nobody gives me any. I should starve to death. So a very natural question, it seems, but the answer will surprise us all. And he says, die then. This alarming counsel split the air. Die if you must, Mukunda. Never admit that you live by the power of food and not by the power of God. He who has created every form of nourishment, he who, he who has bestowed appetite, will certainly see that his devity is sustained. Do not imagine that rice maintains you or that money or men support you. Could they aid if the Lord withdraws your life breath? They are his indirect instruments merely. Is it by any skill of yours that food digests in your stomach? Use the sword of your discrimination, Mukunda. Cut through the chains of agency and perceive the single cause. Now you can see this is where he's finally bringing that original request of his to its final highest form that he was hoping young Mukunda would figure out, would realize. And it feels, especially to me in this moment, now that I'm reading it, is this was a, a lesson he had to learn even before he was ready to receive the further discipline now of his guru. This particular attachment to food and to money had to be broken before he could continue. But just how powerful and how beautiful these words are. Never admit that you live by the power of food and not by the power of God. I mean, and again, just it, it is shameful when I look at my own life and say, how dependent am I on so many things, let alone food? and think all my happiness, my sustenance, my nourishment, my sense of self, all of that is coming to me from the people, from the things, from uh, the expectations, from what I receive. And then this sentence, this paragraph here just helps you realize, whoa, I don't know what I've been thinking all this while. None of it comes from there. It comes to me from God. It always has come to me from God. By my power alone, I couldn't even digest this food. It is His power that allows all these things to happen. Just beautiful. Anything to say?
No, I was just thinking it would be so much fun. Yogananda recommended to have a worry fast. And I was thinking it would be nice to practice once a week, if nothing else. How would it feel to be not worry about absolutely anything throughout the day? Just start your day with that consciousness. You know, today, no matter what, I'm not going to worry about absolutely anything. I will just go, you know, about my business and will do my best, but I will make a conscious point not to worry about this person, about how to pay this, how to do that, how to speak with this other person, how to just like how that could feel, you know, like when you have the knowing that God really, I mean, the real power comes from God appears and, you know, in this like miraculous way. I mean, how Mukunda <laughs> found Sri Uteshwar in the middle of this chaos and business and people and in these streets and narrow lanes and bazaar. I mean, there was chaos around Mukunda still that didn't interfere to have this incredible experience. So when, when you think you'll find, you have found your guru, don't uh, assume that it's going to happen or it's going that encounter to be manifested in a very cosmic or divine or a special event. He may come to you in ways that you will never even thought he could come. I, I like that this encounter happened in the way it was, just in the middle of the busy streets and just, you know, it was so still so sacred. So watch out in, in which ways, you know, Master, your own Guru will come to you. I will give you my hermitages and all that I possess, Yogteshwar says. <laughs> One of the first things, they're sitting together, I'm going to do this. And what does Yogananda say? Sir, I have come for wisdom and God contact. Those are your treasure troves I am after. Now, these are also little tests by the Guru, you see. Oh, I'll give you everything I possess. And you're like, oh, really, Guruji, wonderful, how lovely. No, but... Mukunda was so clear because this was a test just that ju just happened with his money of his father. And now he separated himself from all of that. I am only here for wisdom and God contact. Then Sri Yukteswar says, because now comes the real moment. I give you my unconditional love. Will you give me the same unconditional love? He gazed at me with childlike trust because he's still seeing is this disciple truly ready I will love you eternally Gurudeva and Bhatri Yukteswar then throws a little caveat ordinary love is selfish darkly rooted in desires and satisfactions I don't he's saying I don't want that kind of love divine love is without condition without boundary without change the flux of the human heart is gone forever at the transfixing touch of pure love. But then he added humbly, If you ever find me falling 
from a state of God-realization, please promise to put my head on your lap and help to bring me back to the cosmic beloved we both worship. There's a little hint here that helps us see that Sri Yukteswar knew that Yoganandaji was already one with God. Just a little help, hint for us as potential disciples, because when you read this book, it's not really about Yogananda. It's about him being a devotee, going around and, you know, meeting all this, meeting his guru. It's much more about others. But here is a hint for us to realize, oh, wait a minute. Sri Yukteswarji is telling young Mukunda that if you find that I am falling, promise me to put my head on your lap and remind me once again and bring me back to God. How beautiful is that? And how humble is that of Sri Yukteswarji in that moment to say it? Then he says, Do not grieve for your amulet. It has served its purpose. The living reality of your presence, Master, is joy beyond any symbol. It is time for a change, Sri Yukteswar says, inasmuch as you are unhappily situated in the hermitage. He knows everything. Everything about Yogananda's life. The Guru knows you through and through. You should go back to Calcutta. Why exclude relatives from your love of humanity? How beautiful. His suggestion dismayed me. My family was predicting my return, though I had been unresponsive to many pleas by letter. So he was a little like, well, go back to my family after I'd made such a show of I am off to find God and I don't need you and I'm never coming back. <laughs> and then he says, so, you know, the, the, the mood changes. Sir, I am not returning home, but I will follow you anywhere. Please give me your address and your name. They've not even, he doesn't even know his guru's name yet. It's like, those things are so unimportant. He's just, now he's asking him his name. Swami Sri Yukteswar Giri. My chief hermitage is in Sirampur on Rai Ghat Lane. I'm visiting my mother here for only a few days. And then Yogananda writes, I wondered at God's intricate play with his devotees. Sirampur is but 12 miles from Calcutta. Yet in those regions, I had never caught a glimpse of my Guru. He'd gone everywhere here, there, and his Guru was just so close by to him from the very beginning. You will come to me in four weeks. For the first time, Sri Yukteswar's voice was stern. Now I have told you my eternal affection, and I have shown my happiness at finding you. That is why you disregard my request. The next time we meet, you will have to reawaken my interest. I won't accept you as a disciple easily. There must be complete surrender by obedience to my strict training. Now comes the real moment. After that original, after I read the autobiography and I was so, wow, I found my guru and this and that. But that's not going to cut it. What's going to cut it is, am I now going to follow and be obedient to the Guru? Because he's not going to easily accept us as disciples. Anytime we stray away from that uh, principle of discipleship, the Guru can't help us. It's not that he doesn't want to. He's just not allowed almost because his help depends solely 
on our acceptance of him solely he won't break that trust he won't break your free will to put in there some divine understanding and so over here he's making it very clear i've told you of my love i have shown you how happy i am but the next time you're going to have to reawaken my interest this is not going to be easy discipleship is not wow my guru has come everything's going to be fine now never again will i have any trouble oh no now <laughs> now begins your spiritual journey yeah it's it's you can already see that what shri uteshwar is asking of yogananda is a complete self offering you know things that he likes things that he doesn't like even his own preconception preconception i mean mukunda here has visited so many saints he has had so many perceptions about uh, experiencing god in his meditations and what he has created about this is what the spiritual path looks like but when he comes to sri uteshwar sri uteshwar is almost implying here get ready because uh, all those preconceptions that you have they will need to be self offered you will need to surrender all of these things that you have created about yourself about the spiritual path and give it to me and i will train you and he says under a very strict training i mean he's already put in the seats there i mean this is not going to be easy i mean true discipline is a strict it's going to require a lot of will power from his side and willingness the spiritual path discipleship is all about willingness how willing are you to do whatever your guru asks of you whether you like it or not whether you are capable or not whether you feel confident or not those things are secondary our job is whatever the guru asks because he knows what's best for us to be able to surrender our will <laughs> completely into his this is really what the spirit the, the the path of discipleship is when we trust enough to be able to relax enough and offer ourselves completely into his hands and this act of self offering of willingness is one of the most difficult things to to do so yogananda is going to require and need training in this process because where he is at i mean just the first meeting he's almost denying what his guru is asking of him so it's it's going to be not as easy as as we think it would it would then shri yukteswar knowing exactly what uh, yogananda's resistance is says do you think your relatives will laugh at you and this is what is really the thing that uh, yogananda is most afraid of because i told them that i will never come back and now they are going to say look this guy came back they're going to taunt him i will not return just <laughs> he doesn't even want to answer it he just i will not return you will return in 30 days shri yukteswar says the finality but what does yogananda then say never 
Bowing reverently at his feet, I departed without lightening the con- the controversial tension. Yogananda's never Jai Gurudev. I'm going. So think about that moment. This cosmic moment, this my own, you have come to me. Ah, how many years I have waited, so anciently familiar. Finally I'm at my Guru's in his bosom. And what happens? The first thing the Guru asks. And the disciple cannot fulfill, will not fulfill. Because, well, the ego doesn't particularly like it. As I made my way in the midnight darkness, I wondered why the miraculous meeting had ended on an inharmonious note. The dual scales of Maya that balance every joy with a grief. My young heart was not yet malleable to the transforming fingers of my Guru. Fortunately, young Mukunda was just that much more discerning than many of us are and he felt both. Okay, I am only not ready. I am not yet ready. The next morning, I noticed increased hostility in the attitude of the hermitage members. So, now already his Guru is tightening the screws in this other way to help him see what his next step is going to be. Mukunda is a parasite, accepting hermitage hospitality without making proper return. So all these kids are now getting really upset because A, they see Mukunda is really here for God and they're just here to, you know, be kids and have fun and just do whatever is being asked of them. And so, of course, there's a little bit of jealousy there as always there tends to be. And then, but finally, Mukunda realizes and he says, goes to Jitendra, his only friend and says, I am leaving. Please convey my respectful regrets to Dayanandji when he returns. I will leave also, Jitendra says. My own attempts to meditate here are met with no more favor than yours. And then young Mukunda says to Jitendra, I have met a Christ-like saint. Let us visit him in Serampur. And so the journey begins mm-hmm. for young Mukunda, for each of us. And this is, a, this is a very, very special chapter. This is just helpful for each of us to remember, for those of us who have a Guru, to just go back to that moment and remember yeah, how much I have forgotten, how much I have perhaps strayed, how much I am not allowing my Guru to work through me, to work with me. Where do I resist him? Where have I put up the nevers and I will not return? And um, I think it will be very, very helpful for us to just introspect on that both initial contact that just said yes. And then all those ensuing days, months, years, whatever it's been, where we've forgotten that contact, forgotten that moment and perhaps gotten too familiar, too monotonous, too automatic even in our relationship with the Guru. Here we, we stopped in that moment where Mukunda leaves and there are 30 days in between that uh, Mukunda needs to, you know, adjust to a new reality, a new request. He will need to face certain things at home. He will need to reorganize his thoughts and his own 
approach to master. I mean, he, he will need to come to a, that place of peace. So when he face Sri Yudeshwar again, he would have overcome all that, you know, ego that he had of my will is first and, and come to him with a, with a different consciousness of humility and an openness to, you know, Guru, yes, I'm, I'm ready to obey thy will. And I will say, until we meet again next Saturday, perhaps we all, all of us want to go through the same process, you know, for a whole week. Let's see if there are a few things that we can work with ourselves. So when we meet Sri Yuteshwar, when we meet Yogananda um, next week, but every day we are more and more willing to do what is being asked of us in terms of our sadhana regularly, in our behavior, in our attitude towards certain people that we don't get along so easily, the way we respond to other people, the way we, we come up with, you know, projects and ideas and interactions. So let's take like a, a little pause so we can really get ready for what Sri Yudheshwar to go under his strict <laughs> disciplinarian methods because I think there is so much that he can do with each one of us. The next chapter is actually a very fun one. It's called Two Penniless Boys in Vrindavan. So before Sri uh, Yogananda gets back to Sri Yukteswar, he has a little adventure. And so we will join him it's on that true. adventure. Yeah, it's true. And in the meantime, you have a wonderful week.